Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance, with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Ruron Living, Adam Greenberg. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with WNBA star Renee Montgomery, She currently plays starting point guard for the Atlanta Dream, is a two-time WNBA champion, was the WNBA's sixth woman of the year in 2012, was a member of the WNBA all-rookie team in 2009, and an Eastern Conference all-star in 2011. A graduate of the University of Connecticut, she honed her craft under the guidance of legendary coach Ariema. Renee led Connecticut to 138 wins and only 11 losses in her four-year career at UConn. She helped take UConn to the NCAA Women's Final Four twice, to four NCAA Regionals and four Big East regular season titles. She started 147 times. 139 of those were consecutive, the most by any player in UConn program history, as well as the most nationally. When she left Connecticut and launched her WNBA career, she was the only player in program history to rank in the top 10 in points, assists, steals, and three-pointers. During her senior year at UConn, she led the team to a 39-0 record, one of only five perfect seasons in NCAA history, winning the national championship. She was selected by the Minnesota Lynx in the first round and was the fourth overall pick in the 2009 WNBA draft. She's won numerous awards, including 2009's Nancy Lieberman Award and 2009's Francis Pomeroy Naismith Award, in addition to her achievements on college and professional courts. I'm honored Renee has taken time to join me to share how she stays resilient in her pursuit of excellence. Renee, welcome to the Get Up Nation podcast. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Renee, I'd like to start at the very beginning. What were some of your first experiences in athletics, and how did basketball captivate your attention? I'd say my first ever experience in athletics was doing ballet. My parents put me and both of my other sisters in ballet just, like, as a as a base, you know, like, and I'm so glad they did because I found out later in life that people take ballet now and stuff to try to get them to balance their career and all of that. I actually got taught that at a very young age, so I would say that was my very first experience. With athletics. When did basketball become something that engaged you? Um, yeah, basketball, say my first experience, I would say it would be like in school, but got serious with AAU. So AAU is when you travel around, in case people didn't know. And so 
once I started going on a traveling team and going to different states and playing other players and other teams from other states, I really got intrigued by the whole thing because, you know, there's a whole market here and you get to measure yourself against, you know, big-time places like New York or teams from Cali. So that really sparked my interest. You've mentioned how Scottie Pippen was one of your favorite players growing up. As a child, when you thought about who you'd be when you were an adult, as you formed your goals for the future, what did you dream of for your life? It's crazy because my main goal was like, I wanted to be really good. And I never actually thought of players that I wanted to be like. It was just like, I always wanted to be one of the best players on my team. So each year it was a different task because each year I had different teammates. When I went to college, I had another higher level of teammates. And so I'm like, I want to be one of the best here too. So my driving force was always what I was in. I never really like compared myself to other people. I always like whatever situation I was currently in, I wanted to conquer that situation. Were there any moments where you began to realize that you were achieving that dream of becoming an elite player? Were there some moments where you looked around and realized, I can do this, I can make this happen? Definitely. I think the older I got, I would say my sophomore year, doing the AAU circuit, and that's when, like, AAU Nationals was a big deal, and we started being one of the, the, the talk-about teams, you know, and it, it's crazy, because, you know, the West Virginia team, I was like, what, is, what the world is going on over in West Virginia, this West Virginia team, you know, the West Virginia Tornadoes at the time, like, you know, we were making some noise on the AAU circuit, and then I started getting all kinds of letters from different colleges, the typical letters where, you know, they send them out to multiple people, but it's just basically letting them letting you know that you're on their radar. So I would say my sophomore year is where I really started to feel like, uh-oh, something's happening here. When did you get that satisfying sense of winning, of, of success? I mean, you've won championships and you stay committed to winning more. Where did you first get a sense of that winning and that success? Was it on the basketball court? Was it in the classroom? I would say I ran track as well when I was younger. I would say like running track and, and doing multiple sports it became like a lifestyle for me, but then when I really wanted to just focus on basketball only in high school, I still played soccer in high school, but I was really focused on basketball mainly. I would say, I mean, because in high school I won three championships, so I would say my first championship in high school, my freshman year in high school, I'd say I, I got a taste for it, and then when I never wanted to go back. I always wanted to be on the top. So who are, who are some of the most significant influences in your life as you developed your work ethic, your training regimen, and your commitment to succeed? Did you have any mentors or family members that were particularly influential? For sure. Uh, my Diddy, which is obviously my dad. So my Diddy, um, my parents, by the way, have been married for like 40 plus years. They're like inspiration. But um, my Diddy, every day after work, and, and some days, I know he had long days, and I know some days he had hard days, but he, he made me a promise that every day after work, he was going to work with me on some part of my game, whether it was for 15 minutes, an hour. He's like, just make sure you have your homework done and everything, you know, your chores done, your homework done, and everything that you're supposed to do. He's like, and when I get home from work, I'm going to work with you. And, I mean, he did every day. And thinking back now that I'm an adult, it's amazing to, to see how consistent he was with that, knowing he had to wake up at 5-something every morning to get to work on time and work until 5 and then come in and, and still work with me. And I'm talking about he didn't even go home and eat first, you know. It was literally he got home and straight to working with me because he could just see how excited I was to see him come home. So my daddy, I would attribute 
to being there for me on the every step of the way. Wow, that's amazing. So you were you were highly sought after as you completed high school. Coach Ariema had a unique approach when he spoke with you. He basically didn't guarantee anything. He told you that you'd have to earn it, and you were motivated by that challenge, where a lot of other coaches just kind of made promises. Is that correct? Definitely, and that was the thing. When somebody speaks something that's real to you, you're more apt to believe it. So not that I didn't believe the other coaches, because I did believe the other coaches that I would come in and be their starting point guard. I did believe them. I, I don't think they were not telling me the truth, but it was just the way I knew that Whatever the case was, I was going to be that with him. So he was going to shoot it to me straight, and I like that. I don't, I don't need things to be sugar coated. And I like how you know he 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 gave me my props. It's not like he just came in there and was like, you know, we might want you, or if you want to come, come. Like he made sure I knew that they wanted me, mm-hmm. but he also made sure I knew that this is a program where we're not going to necessarily roll out the red carpet for you once you get here and you earn your spot. Okay, you earn it, but you're not going to be given a spot. You got to earn it. How did he? use the passion for success inside of you to get the best out of you and your teammates? Um, the coaching staff while I was there, which is Coach Ariema, CD, Chris Daly, Tanya Cardoso, Jamel Elliott, the thing about them was, as you know, we lost 11 games, and to me it felt like we lost way more than that because we were always pursuing something else. So even if we won our game by 50 points, when we watched film, there were 100 mistakes that we made and they were meticulous about it. You know, they were very detail-oriented, which now I'm so thankful being in the pros because the way I approach the game and the way I focus and, and prepare for the game, they taught me that in a sense that don't do just the bare minimum. Yes, we beat this team by this much, or yes, you did this, but look at where you could improve or look at the things you could have done on top of that. And so I've always learned that, like, you know, no matter how well you played or how well you or how bad you thought you played. There's always bright spots, and there's always spots that you can improve. So I just really learned the mindset of never get too high or never get too low. And as a player for Coach Ariema at UConn, knowing his loyalty to you and how, as you said, I wouldn't want to go to war with anyone else because you knew he had your back. How did that help you and your teammates have the confidence and resilience to keep battling every practice, every game, in pursuit of such a phenomenal record? during your time at UConn? Yeah, I mean, look, if you know that somebody will literally, like, fight someone for you, and I mean, he, and everybody knows Coach Ryan, and he'll say what he has to say, and he'll get mad, he'll get angry, but he will literally fight someone for you. So when you know someone has that much passion and that much belief in you, it makes you want to go harder and prove them right. And I've always been, my whole life, I've always never cared about what people that I couldn't do. I've always lived in a place where whoever thought I could do it, I want to prove them right. I don't care about who said I couldn't do it. If my family, you know, is, is spending our whole family vacation check to take me around to do AAU tournaments, I want to prove them right that this was a good decision. If my high school coach is, you know, going out on a limb and, and starting me as a freshman, I'm going to prove him right. So that's kind of when you know somebody that believes in you, I just always want to make sure, I, I always want to give people bragging rights. So people that that bet on me, I want to make sure they have bragging rights. And so I've kind of always moved that way in a sense that if people put their trust in me or put their belief in me or invest in me, I want to prove them right. You had a whirlwind entry into the WNBA. You won the NCAA championship, participated in the celebration and the parade, and within days you're hearing your name being called in the first round of the WNBA draft, picked fourth overall. Is that surreal when you look back on it? What are the details that you remember? Man, I remember being tired. (laughs) It was crazy because there was so much going on. And it's like, you know, you're flying from from St. Louis, 
Louis, and then you that or when you land in Connecticut, the fans are already there on the streets as we're driving down to Gamble, and then you know you get to Gamble. There's the pep rally. There's all of that. And I just remember, like, whoa, this is cool. And and the crazy thing about it was it didn't happen until my senior year, so it's not like I even knew what to expect. Mm. So I didn't know that they were going to be lined up on the streets. I didn't know how crazy the pep rally was going to be. And it was just all, like, I, I was trying to take it all in, but I'm also trying to sign with an agent. who I, I signed with my agent, Eric Wastel. I've been with him all my, my career. And then I'm also trying to figure out what am I going to wear to the draft because, you know, you got to look presentable there. So it's like there's so much going into it on the backside of it. I need a stylist, and I need this. And who's going to do my hair and makeup for the draft? And all right, my parents, we got to get y'all to the draft some way. So it was, it was a lot. <laughs> and I just remember, like, the overall feeling of gratitude, like, these are good problems to have. Like, mm. I always have to stop myself when I'm feeling, like, flustered and be like, you know what, there's a lot of players in the country that would love to be having these problems that I'm having right now, <laughs> so let me just take this all in and enjoy it. And then take us to the moment where you first took the court during WNBA game. What was running through your mind when you take your first steps onto the court? What memories do you have of that moment? I remember, even before the first game, looking at my scouting report, and thinking, like, wow, the WNBA is, like, an NCAA All-American game every game. So every team you're playing against has, like, five, six, seven, or eight NCAA All-Americans. So you go from when you play a team in college where they might have one, maybe two All-Americans, to where now every team I play in the WNBA, every player on there was probably an All-American. A lot of them are players of the year at a certain point. And you're looking at it like, wow, I've reached the big league for sure. At Get Up Nation, we focus on how to develop and sustain resilience in the face of adversity. You've mentioned how when things happen in life that we don't understand that are difficult, often there's a light at the end of the tunnel that we didn't even know was there. Specifically, when you were suddenly traded from Seattle to Minnesota, your new coach, Cheryl Reeve, called you and said, we need you in the game tomorrow. This is when you're in the throes of dealing with salmonella poisoning. Uh, you hopped a plane sick, made it to the game, played the game, and after surviving that, went on with the Lynx to win a championship. Have there been any other situations where you faced some unknowns or adversity that wound up paying off in the end because you held the course? Yeah, I mean, being an athlete, the hardest part about it is you're really only as good as your last game. You have a great run, and they love you, and the team is happy. But if the team is doing bad and you're not playing well, it's tough. A lot of people, they go to work every day. If they have a bad day at work, they come home from work, and they literally don't have to think about that what they did at work that day. Hmm. Well, if I have a bad day at work being an athlete, you could come home and have to look at tweets and, and, and people posting on your Instagram right. or your game being replayed or a highlight where you got crossed over really bad. It might be on ESPN. So the thing about athletes is you have to have, like, a short-term memory. Like, there's just no other way. And I had to learn that it was hard for me. Coming from UConn where in four years I had only lost 11 games and then my rookie season being lost that in just one year. So I had to really learn to have a short-term memory in a sense that, all right, even in plays, like, all right, I messed that play up. Let me let me get it back. Let me do something this play then. Or, all right, we lost that game. I played terrible, but we have a game in two days, so let me get ready for that. So I think just really one of the main things about being resilient is not just, it's not just being perfect all the time. It's having a short-term memory and knowing that whatever situation it is right now, you can change it and fix it and, and make it a completely different situation the next day. Love that. When you won your first WNBA championship, 
What's the first thing you did after winning? Oh, the first thing I did was call my parents. Hmm. <laughs> That's why the second time I won my championship, they were there. Because whenever I have such accomplishments as winning a championship or making all-star, when I was in the all-star game, I made sure my whole family was there, my friends and everyone. And it was expensive, but I wanted to make sure everyone that took part in my success, whether it be my sister's sacrifice and family vacation to basically be my number one fan and this AAU run I was doing, my parents doing financial sacrifices to make sure I could go on these AAU tournaments. All my friends that whatever vacation they did that year, it was whatever city I was playing in. You know, like that would be my friend's vacation trip just to come see me play. So I just wanted to make sure everyone knew that I appreciated the support because I think support is everything for athletes, for people, and any job. So I just wanted to make sure that people know that I appreciate them. And that was my next question is when you won your second WA championship, did you do anything differently? It's, it sounds like you did. It sounds like a lot of gratitude and a lot of involving the people who meant so much to you in that process. Was there anything else? That I did. You, yeah. Yeah, so I, I made sure, and the crazy thing was that so we were playing Los Angeles, and we had closeout games that could have been in L.A., so my parents flew to L.A., um, my friends, like I had five friends, they flew to L.A., obviously hoping we would close it out in L.A. Well, then we ended up tying it, and it being 2-2, and now we're going back to Minnesota for the closeout game, and so... <laughs> My friends and family had to literally, you know, call off of work longer, book flights from L.A. to Minnesota to come to be there for the closeout game in Minnesota. So it really was, it was crazy. Um, I mean, it was actually crazy just to see the support and everything. But obviously I, I took care of my parents and stuff, flights and everything. But that was what I wanted to do different because whenever you have those moments, you just want to share those big special moments with your friends and your family. So to me, like, that's learning from my 2015 experience on 2017 I was like there's no way I'm not gonna have my parents there so mm. that was that was one of the main things that I, I made sure I did different and how satisfying is it for you to have family closer to you now as you play for the Atlanta dream after being gone year after year whether playing in the overseas leagues during the WNBA offseason or flights away from family when you played with other teams oh it's everything I'm actually in the in the process now through my foundation so West Virginia we don't even have a pro team we have a semi-pro baseball team, but we don't even have a pro sports team in any sport. So right now through my foundation, I'm trying to do this thing where I'm going to call it Let's Go Pro. And I'm going to have a bus, bus people to one of my games every year now. And we're going to start with, like, my WNBA game, and then I'm going to try to move and have the bus take a group of people to the Hawks game and, a, and the bus taking people to, to the, the Falcons game. So that's what I'm going to try to do. So now that I'm closer to home and I can do things like that, I'm going to try to basically connect my West Virginia ties and have people be able to experience a pro sports game. And that's why I'm going to call it Let's Go Pro. And just let people do something that maybe they wouldn't be able to financially do otherwise because it'll be cheaper if I, I'm going to try to have it all covered from my foundation standpoint. So just trying to, like, give people experiences that they might not be able to do otherwise since I'm so close now. Will you share a little bit more about your foundation and what you seek to accomplish and where people can learn more about your foundation? Okay, so my foundation is called the Renee McGurry Foundation. Ooh, I got creative with that one. Um, and... <laughs> I have a website. It's called it's ReneeMontgomery.net. So on there it has uh, has stuff about me, it has stuff about my life after basketball aspirations, has stuff about my foundation. But really, I want to allow 
people to have experiences that they wouldn't have otherwise. Because a lot of times foundations, which I love, they give families that are struggling, they might give them some clothes, they might give them shoes, they might give them school supplies. What I really want to do in my foundation in the area I want to really live in is giving people experiences. Because when you're struggling to pay your bills, you're not going to splurge and go to an Atlanta Dream game. You're not going to splurge and go to a Hawks game. You're not going to splurge and go to the premiere of, you know, a cool movie, Captain Marvel. So I really want to, like, live in a space where I give people those experiences, families together, because I want to impact kids through sports, and I'm the sports figure. But I want to have be able to have families experience it together, because a lot of times, too, you know, with different organizations, they, they give kids experiences. But I think it's cool, like, if the whole family can go to a game together and experience that together and have that intimate moment together that they wouldn't be able to afford otherwise. So that's kind of where I want my foundation to succeed and to touch people. Amazing. You're interested in a film and television career after basketball, and your Instagram account shows a recent still from a film scene you recently shot. Any news you can share at this point about upcoming film or television appearances? Yeah, so... um Right now, that film that I actually just wrapped on is called Desert Lily, and it's a film about the ins and outs of people that have diplomatic immunity. And so, you know, that's that's the thing that people, there's not a lot about there. So I'm an agent in the movie, Agent Ivy Jackson, and basically it's me trying to figure out a situation involving this guy that has diplomatic immunity. There's no set day when it's going to come out. We actually just wrapped on it. It was pretty cool. We were shooting it for about five months. And then I shot a sizzle reel, which if people don't know, you shoot a sizzle reel, and it's a way that you can pitch it to sponsors to see if people want to pick it up, and it's called Heaven, Harlem, and the Rucker, and it's about, you know, basically the pre-Glowtrotters and those people and just the Rucker life and all of that. So we shot a sizzle reel for that, and the premiere for that is the end of this month. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. I was on uh, Sister Circle and they had me as a guest on there. You know, I basically told them, like, look, y'all are living my dream right now, hosting a TV show. And that, so they actually said they're interested in bringing me back as a guest co-host. While right now they have a lady on there called Quad, and she's out. So they might bring me in there as a guest co-host one time or two. So good things are happening. I'm just thankful for, for the progress that I've made so far and the way that people have embraced me. Absolutely. You've done so many amazing things, and I can't wait to see what the future will bring for you. With such an elite career where you have college and WNBA championships under your belt, where you've played in numerous foreign countries all over the planet, what do you think about when it comes to the legacy you want to leave? What impact do you hope you've created? I think the main thing that is going to be my legacy I'm already seeing is is not even having anything to do with with those accolades. It's going to be how people see how I was upbeat every day, how I brought a positive attitude all the time, and how, like, you know, I have this saying that I say all the time now, and I did not create this saying, but I loved it, and now I say it all the time, but it's a good day to have a good day. So I always say it's a good day to have a good day because sometimes you're going to wake up tired, sometimes you're going to be annoyed, but it's still a good day to have a good day. And that's what I want my legacy and people to think about when they think about me, where when I come into the room, you know I'm not going to come in with bad energy. You know, I'm not going to come in with bad vibes. I'm always going to be positive and upbeat because I feel like those are things I can control. And, and I can control those things. And even if it's not a good day, even if I'm struggling, you know, I'm still healthy. My family's still healthy. I still have so much to be thankful for. So that's what I want my legacy to be about. When it comes to young people and adults, for that matter, who are in awe of, of you, who wonder what they can do with their lives and talents as they dream their dreams, what message do you have for these men and women? I think the main thing is it's never too late. I think a lot of times people get discouraged because they haven't started this project they wanted or 
they have an idea and maybe it's, it's passed and they don't want to start or they want to lose weight and they feel like, all right, it's like I'm way too smarty. I just think it's just never too late. Whatever you want to do, whether it's go back to school or whether it's start your own startup or start your own foundation, lose weight, get healthy. I just think the main thing people need to realize is you can do it right now. Just start right now. It doesn't matter where you're starting. It doesn't matter how what little thing you do to start, just start. Renee, always on the show with six questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Will you run through these six quick questions with me? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Who are you thankful for today? My parents. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? Health. My health. How do you fuel the fire within you? How do I fuel the fire within me? Uh, I work hard at my goals every day. What is one thing adversity taught you to value? Character. What are you doing today you may have never thought you could? I would say balancing two careers at once. And what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? Work on a project of my very own foundation. I never really thought about having my own, and now that I do, it's crazy because I'm like this concept of the busing people thing there, it just popped in my mind yesterday. So. I'm writing a proposal tomorrow. Never would have thought I would have done that, so that's definitely. Renee, how can people learn more about you, and how can they stay in touch with the amazing things that are unfolding for you? Well, they can follow me on um, all social platforms. It's D-A, number two zero, and then the word spelled out, one, O-N-E. So that, uh, that's on Twitter and Instagram, and my website is ReneeMontgomery.net, think.net, like, wish, nothing but the net. Um, and look, I mean, I'm very social, so if you tweet me, typically I'll tweet back, comment on my pictures. I, I'm very, if you go and follow me, you'll see I'm very active and very social, and I'll try to keep people engaged. And take this journey with me, man. Like, I'm trying to figure out, and as we try to figure out how to cross over to, to traditional entertainment, so let's, let's, let's take this journey together. Amazing. Thank you so much, Renee. All right, well, thank you for having me. Get up! <laughs>